So, we've just come through the Christmas season. We're barely through that. But during that Christmas season, we talk about love. We talk about joy. We talk about peace. Love, for God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. Joy, we sing, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And the angels said, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. You know, it occurred to me that it might be wise, we might be wise men, sorry a little pun, for us to revisit a passage of Scripture in the New Testament that uses those three words, love, joy, and peace. It's in Galatians, Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. Some of you will know almost immediately that that's a passage of Scripture that speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you might remember that Pastor Charlie took us through about 10 weeks, I believe it was, of a series to cover these nine characteristics, this fruit that the Holy Spirit of God produces. That was back in 2019. When I thought back, it seemed like five years ago. But I can tell you this much. If I had known then what I know now, I would have listened more closely. I would have taken better notes when Pastor Charlie was leading us through the Fruit of the Spirit series. But I want us to begin with just reading these two verses of Scripture, one sentence out of God's Word, Galatians 5, verses 22, 23. It says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, nine things, nine characteristics listed, and then the Holy Spirit says to us, against such things there is no law. In other words, those things are always going to be good and always going to be right. Now, some theologians, some Bible scholars have suggested that, that this list shows kind of a hierarchy, a list that grows from smaller to greater things. I don't personally think that's the case, but I do wonder this. Self-control is last, and I wonder if it's not on purpose, if the Holy Spirit of God didn't do that on purpose, because self-control is really hard. And maybe, just maybe, it's the key to all the other characteristics. And so I wonder if there's not a reason it's the final one, even though the list is not like step, stair steps. So, you see, self-control, I believe, is the key to lasting change. And here we are at the first of the year, and many, if not most of us, are saying, here's what I'm going to change, as if something magical happened between December 31 and January 1 of the new year. You see... New Year's resolutions are all about gaining control. We want to gain control over something that we believe is not the best for us. And we say, here's my opportunity at this point in time to choose what's best, what's better. Now, what's the secret of, of, of this, this thing of really making change in our lives? Do I need to read more self-help books? Or do I hire a personal coach who will 
yell at me and force me to do the things I already need to do? Or do I give that coach the list of things I think God wants me to do? And then that coach asks me every day or every week, are you, how are you doing about, with those things, Dwayne? Or do I just give up and decide that there are only a few super-Christians in the world and those super-Christians are the ones who can accomplish self-control and they can actually do those things they desire to do and then the rest of us are in this category of normal Christians and we'll just never get there because we don't have the strength of will or character. I wonder if too many of us as Christians, and I'm putting myself in the category with you, sometimes we fall into that last category because we don't understand self-control. And we don't understand what the Holy Spirit desires to do because, remember, that list we just read that ended with self-control is fruit of the Spirit. It is not fruit of Duane or fruit of whoever, you put your name in the blank. We don't always comprehend what the Holy Spirit is capable of doing in each of us. So I'm praying this sermon will help all of us, beginning with me, gain a new, more biblical understanding of this characteristic that we need in order to gain control and make lasting change, this fruit of the Spirit that God calls self-control. Now, let's go back for a moment and build a a foundation of what is fruit of the Spirit. See, the fruit of the Spirit is the supernatural work in me by the Spirit of God. The fruit of the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit creating me the personality and character of Jesus Christ. That is, who and what Jesus is in his being. So the fruit of the Spirit has to do with being, not doing. It has to do with who I allow him to make me into. Now, there is, there is a passage uh, in the New Testament that talks about the, the gifts of the Spirit. And that's like, you know, teaching and administration and hospitality and those kinds of things. And that group of characteristics is about doing the work of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. But when he wants, first of all, to create in us the fruit of the Spirit, self-control has to do with being. And I think, just maybe, we have all thought, myself included, that self-control is more about doing, and I believe the Bible would teach us it's more about being controlled By the Holy Spirit. So if we want to accomplish anything of eternal value, then being must come before doing. So now, that's our foundation, fruit of the Spirit, self-control as we launch into this year 2021. So let's answer, excuse me, four questions, four simple, straightforward questions about self-control so we can gain control of those things God would have us gain control of so we can honor Him. First question, very simple. What is self-control? On the surface, it seems that anybody who makes their own decisions is not influenced by other people, doesn't yield to other people's influence when they shouldn't. 
that person seems to be the person who has self-control. They make decisions for themselves. They control what they choose to do. Now, what if that person chooses to lie, cheat, steal, hate, condemn others, take advantage of other people? They're in control of those decisions, right? Is that what the Bible means when it says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control? Does that person who chooses to take control and lie and cheat and steal, are they practicing that fruit of the Spirit called self-control? Absolutely not. So if self can make make bad decisions, make wrong decisions... And it still doesn't mean, meet what the scripture talks about when it speaks of self-control. Then there must be something more than just controlling your decisions. You see, the Holy Spirit can only bear fruit in a person who is spirit-born. That is, the Holy Spirit comes in and gives new birth when we repent and receive the Lord as our Savior. And the, the, the scripture promises us that the Holy Spirit will come to live in us. And we are adopted into the family. We are justified. We are given new life. So here's the secret. This fruit of the Spirit is not fruit of Duane. It is fruit of the Spirit. So I don't bear that fruit. The Holy Spirit of God does. And so in order for that to happen, I must remain under His control for him to bear fruit in me and then through me. So a true definition of self-control has to include remaining under the control of the Holy Spirit. So let me share with you my definition of self-control, studying it from Scripture. Here's my definition. Self-control is when I choose my part. I do my part, not the supernatural part. I just do my part. Self-control is when I choose to place all of myself under the control of the Holy Spirit. Then He can do His part, and I submit to you, that's the supernatural part. Now, that definition may sound contradictory, but it is a Holy Spirit-given ability to control self. Let me say that once more. It is a Holy Spirit given ability to control self. That's how I would define self-control. So the glory doesn't go to me. The glory goes to the Holy Spirit. Second question I would like for us to answer. Why is this self-control thing so important? Well, there's some pictures in Scripture. And one, one of the pictures is of athletes. And athletes sets out to win. An athlete never sets out to lose unless they're a crooked athlete and somebody's bought them off, but they set out to win. And in order to win, that athlete, if we're that athlete, we have to pay the price. And so the picture in Scripture has to do with us obeying the Lord, and we pay the price. We learn self-control. We learn Holy Spirit control. We learn delayed gratification. We learn to develop the skills needed to win in the game we're called to play. And so, why is it so important? I'm going to give you two things, I believe, and, and they come out of a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 
The first reason, though, is because the Holy Spirit wants us to win. And it's not all about me winning and being supreme. It is about me winning in the race God has set before me so He can be shown to be supreme. He can be shown to be good and holy and righteous and pure. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27 the scripture says it this way. Do you not know? And the, the assumption is, obviously, of course you know, that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So, run so that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it, the athletes in the Olympics or whatever, they do it to receive a perishable wreath that is put around their neck. But we do it in the spiritual arena to receive an imperishable wreath forever in heaven. So the Apostle Paul says, because of this, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one simply beating the air. Well, I lost my place. I'm sorry. I scrolled too much. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest, here we go, we switch from the arena of the games to our Christian life. Lest after preaching to others, after telling the others the truth about Jesus, I myself should be disqualified. So the first thing is he wants us to win. The second thing in this passage, right in this passage of Scripture is, that makes the, whole, the self-control important is, the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to be disqualified. Now, if you've ever been watching Olympic games or other sports and someone gets disqualified, they're put out, they are frustrated, they're hurt, they, they've spent all of that time, all of that effort, and it's for nothing. There's an amount of, of shame or disgrace that goes with it, but we don't want to be that person. And we hurt for them, we feel badly for them when they're disqualified, but the Apostle Paul is speaking about the Christian life and how deep it does it hurt when someone's disqualified in the Christian life. We want the self-control, the spirit control in our lives so we're not disqualified, so that we can win the race God set before us. Third question, how do I get this thing called self-control? Well, the person who doesn't yet know Jesus has a very simple path, and that is we come to, that, that person needs to come to Christ and confess sin and receive Him as Lord and Savior and have salvation so the Holy Spirit will come in and live, or otherwise the Holy Spirit will not, cannot produce fruit within that person's life. But let's speak to those who are Christians. I'm speaking to me. I'm speaking to those of you who are believers who are born again. As a Christian, we have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We've renounced all other things, and we say, 
I have sinned. I need forgiveness. I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. In 2 Peter, there are a few verses, several sentences here that gives us some of the answer to how we gain this as a Christian. So there's another list here, but let's, let's walk through it uh, very clearly and cautiously. The, the, the Apostle Peter says this, For this very reason, make every effort, work hard, to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with, here's the word, self-control. So we are making every effort to add these things in our lives. Self-control with steadfastness, that word is perseverance, and perseverance with godliness, godliness with brotherly love, you keep building and adding, brotherly affection, I mean, brotherly affection with love. Love is the supreme thing here. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Now, notice this. It's a simple little thing, but pay attention. The, the self-control comes between knowledge and perseverance. Knowledge is knowing the will of God. It says you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said that. And then perseverance is staying the course, paying the price, so you can win the prize. So, self-control is... I'm willing to pay the, whatever price I have to right now for the sake of whatever I want to do later. I'm willing to let the Holy Spirit take control. And I want spiritual growth. I want maturity. I want to know God in a close personal way. I want to have a good testimony. And so when I move from knowledge, knowing the truth, to self-control, Holy Spirit control, to perseverance, staying the course, obeying I will win. I won't be disqualified. That's how I get that. I allow the Holy Spirit to work in me. Fourth question. What will it cause me to do? Am I going to do some crazy thing? Or what? Do I really desire what will come as a result of this Holy Spirit control that the Bible calls self-control? Yes, I do. And I believe you do too. Here's why. It will cause me to do some things. It will cause me to become spiritually mature. I won't be a baby all my life, a spiritual baby. Paul wrote the following to a, a young pastor named Titus. But it applies to every one of us as Christians. He's speaking to a pastor, but it applies to all of us. And the qualities that Paul looked for in a pastor should be in every believer. In Titus chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, he says, For an overseer, a pastor, a shepherd, as God's steward, must be above reproach. That's a pretty high bar. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. We would say, we don't want a pastor that's like that. In fact, we don't want Christians who are like that. Then verse 8, but here's what that person should be, and all of us should be, hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Now, that's what it will create in you. Self-control will 
cause you to become more and more contour, mature. Holy Spirit control will cause maturity in your life. One more verse. The Apostle Paul, again, writing to second, in second Timothy to the young pastor Timothy, says this, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit, and then he inserts this little phrase, not of fear. He didn't give us fear that causes us to cower in the corner and never start running the race God set before us. He did give us a spirit of power and love. Here it is again, self-control. Do you want love? Do you want spiritual power? Learn and practice self-control. They go together. It'll cause me to grow up, to mature. Here's another thing it'll cause me to do. It will cause me to help others become mature also. You see, it's not all about me. Sometimes I think when, when I'm making uh, New Year's resolutions that I, I just want to make those so I can say them to other people so they'll, so they'll think, oh, he must be a pretty good Christian because I haven't even conquered this down here on level one and he's up here on level six. And I wonder sometimes if we aren't stating those things so we can kind of parade ourselves. Now, I'm not being mean. I'm just talking about me here. But we need to not only become mature, but we need to help others become more mature. And self-control will help me to bring others along with me. Not in some condescending fashion of saying, hey, uh, you need to come up here with me because I'm special, I'm better than you. That is not the picture at all. That's not Holy Spirit control. It, it's a picture of helping other people know the joy that the Holy Spirit will produce when we place self under His control. The older ones in the faith are to teach those who are younger in the faith. In Titus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul, still writing to the pastor Titus, says this. But as for you, Pastor Titus, teach what accords, what aligns up with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in the faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older in the faith is to teach those younger in the faith and bring them lovingly along to maturity. Self-control will not only cause me to be mature, it will cause me to bring others along to maturity. So let me conclude here. I have a big, long, expanded definition. I think our TA crew told me it will probably take three screen slides to get this definition, but track with me, please, if you will. Self-control is when I intentionally choose to make every decision under the control of the Holy Spirit. Then after years of doing this, I come to the place that yielding to the control of the Holy Spirit is the normal pattern of behavior for me. At this point, it may seem like I'm in control, but in reality, it's just a new, more mature level of Holy Spirit control.
That is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and in me in the coming year. You see, this is our opportunity to give the Holy Spirit control and allow Him to make the changes He wants. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, would you just take a moment, bow your head, close your eyes, and just think with me and allow the Holy Spirit to control and to speak to you. Ask yourself this. Have I been Spirit-born? Do I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Today would be a great time to do that if you have not done that. Ask yourself, do I truly believe that God, the Holy Spirit, wants to grow this spiritual fruit of self-control in me? Do I believe God will do this? And do I desire that Holy Spirit control? I would say to you, that is the only way we will change and become more mature and help bring others to Christ-likeness in 2021. God, I thank you that you are so wise that you have given us the opportunity to know you to be born again to have freedom from sin and I thank you Lord that you offer us Holy Spirit control going into this year that we can be more and more like you I ask you for every person who is listening that they and I would commit to do this this year walk with you let you work in us regardless what need we have physical needs spiritual needs emotional needs struggles with family struggles with jobs struggles with finances whatever our need is Lord you'll meet that but we know our deepest need is for you to be our Lord and guide our lives each day and we give control of that to you Jesus name Amen If you would like someone to pray with you If you're watching one of the live church online broadcasts There's a button you can click for live prayer A prayer partner is online with you And we'll go into a private prayer room with you online And and hear privately hear what you would like for them to pray with you about And they'll pray for you and they'll bless you in a way that that will encourage you. If you're watching on demand, you can uh, email us. The the address is email us at fellowshipoftherockies.org. And someone will pray with you, call you, pray with you. If you would like for us to do that, we would love to be able to do that. However you are able to contact us. We want to minister to you to the very best of our abilities. And as we end this launching into the New Year sermon, I would like to give you a blessing right out of 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. 
And it's this. This year, as we go, may God give you a spirit, not of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control, controlled by the Holy Spirit. And may He produce spiritual fruit in you, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.